In one sense, I started writing this sermon sitting in the jury commission room at the Winnebago County Courthouse. <laughs> I got a summons to serve on a grand jury, my first jury summons ever. When I started writing Friday morning, I hadn't been called yet, so hang with me and I will tell you how the story goes. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about authority. Authority with a capital A. We have been summoned to the jury room on force of law, on threat of penalty, even imprisonment if we fail to appear, so that we might judge others, decide if there is enough evidence to send them to trial. I'm not sure, first thing Friday morning, if they'll ask me how I feel about that. But if they do, I'll tell them it's complicated. Do you have 20 minutes? <laughs> because authority can be necessary. Someone to count on, some system of rules, some accountability for those rules. Because Hobbes is partly right. It's Hobbes who says that without civilization, life is nasty, brutish, and short. And without accountability, without rules, it is the battle of the strong, those without scruples or conscience who win, power grab and chaos. I believe that. I've seen that. And, and I've been trained from a very early age as a lifelong Unitarian to always question authority. And Hobbes is partly right, but I think Foucault and Nietzsche are also partly right that corrupt power cloaks itself as authority. The system of control, the enforcement of cultural norms through the law, I think that's right too. And, and I think that Michelle Alexander is right in that the system, the criminal justice system, is deeply and irrevocably racist. Winnebago County is, what, 11, 12% black? The grand jury room at 8.36 a.m. on a Friday, about 120 people in the room, maybe one half of 1% black. I wasn't the only one who noticed that, said something about it. So it's complicated. Part of me wants to fight authority, to take these tables we're sitting at Friday morning and throw them across the room to object, to throw a wrench in the system. Part of me wants to be quiet now and be obnoxious if I get selected. <laughs> Thought about that. Part of me just wants to do the job and try as fairly and calmly as I can to be reasonable and compassionate. It's hard to know how to be helpful sometimes. So in one sense, I started writing this sermon early Friday morning in the grand jury room. Friday is writing day. I knew I'd have to wait, so that's what I did. In another sense, though, I started writing this sermon when I was about 13, when I knew the answer to every question. <laughs> and I was ready for the revolution, to not just question authority, but to fight every authority. And on the radio, this song, I fought authority, authority always won. I didn't get it. Why would you sing about that? You fought authority, but you lost? Why? I don't know why you would sing about that, but it was catchy, 
It's catchy. Gets in your head. So a huge thanks to Ron Holm for being with us today. I knew when I said, I want to do Authority's song, Ron had to be here to make this work. It's the only way it works. Thank you, Ron. Did you know that John Mellencamp is a Unitarian Universalist? Yes. He's an active member of our congregation in Bloomington, Indiana. Goes on a regular basis and sings occasionally. So back then, 13, when I was listening to that song, I did come to see a truth that was there. You fought authority and authority won. The truth I saw then, and I think the experience that a lot of us have, is that we try to change the system and it doesn't work. We feel the sense of futility, disappointment, that nothing matters. We protest, we march, we write letters, we boycott some companies, and we try to organize, but the changes feel small. What's so depressing to so many of us about the current situation, the current president, is it all feels so backwards. Like we're moving unevenly, but still toward the land that we wish of equity, inclusion, and justice, and fairness. And now we have this white supremacist, deeply corrupt, climate crisis-denying president whose party will not constrain him, despite clear evidence of corrupt conduct. We keep hearing, it's probably true, there's no way you can count to 67 votes. This won't happen. So what's the point? What's the point? What's the point of fighting authority if authority always wins? I'm still in the grand jury room waiting. What's the point of me being obnoxious, of questioning the process, of asking, have you considered the racial justice nature of this charge you wish to file? Have you attempted a restorative justice practice here? What's the background on the person you wish to charge? Did we as a nation fail them and their family and now blame them for our failure? Have we projected? I could ask all those questions each time, 70 to 80 cases a day, every other week. But I'm betting the other 15 people in the room will raise their hands and affirm the indictment and on to the next case will go. Authority wears you down. You try to fight every battle, but you can't. Two heads grow where one is cut off. You fight authority, authority always wins. You can take that as a song of resignation, of surrender. You can. I did once. But that's not actually what it means. And I got this by listening to the rest of the words and watching the music video, which makes it even more clear what it's really about. There's a deeper level. When you challenge authority, you have to decide how. How will you go about that? Authority will set the terms. Oh, you can object, but only on form C387B.1. You can speak to the board, but only for 30 seconds. You can call the district office and leave a message. We won't call you back. You can protest, but only in the free speech zone. They have those at protests. So you fight on their terms, and they win. They've set the rules. Of course they win. The house always wins. Something else happens when you fight authority on authority's terms. You reinforce the nature of that authority. You say when you fight them in the way that they choose that their system is legitimate. You're participating in it, after all. More than that, 
you let them get in your heart and your soul. When you spend all your time fighting authority, it's easy to become that which you fight. You copy their tactics. You emulate their methods. How many times? How many times has the revolution against the dictator by the freedom fighters just produced another dictator for another set of freedom fighters over and over again? The logos change, the slogans change, but does anything else? You fight authority, authority always wins. But if this is the true meaning of the phrase, that when you fight authority on authority's terms, authority wins, it suggests, doesn't it, another way. Don't fight authority on authority's terms. Don't play their game. Don't do that. Don't emulate their tactics. Don't let them occupy your mind and your heart. Do something else. Open the window, children, and let the dove fly in. Open the window now. The most successful movements for change involved a refusal to follow the rules, to play the existing game. Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement saying, we're not going to use violence. We're just going to sit down and not get up. And we're going to start with love and end there too. Gandhi refusing political power, just taking a walk to the sea, just taking a walk. Go another way. The forces working for marriage equality a decade ago, less, decided to stop playing don't hurt us over and over again, which wasn't working, and instead, go to your neighbors, tell your story, tell your story, tell your story, over and over again. When authority sets the rules, don't play by those rules. Just do something else. Go another direction. Now, that's easy for me to say, but the question is how? How do you do that? I don't have all the answers, but I have some ideas. Part of it, I think, is to hold tight to our first Unitarian Universalist principle, the worth and dignity of each person, the power of human longing for justice, and to have a sense of wonder at that sacred human being, to recognize the desire to be free that lies in each person, the wonder of a little fist in a little baby or raised in affirmation of your dignity, bumped with a friend in solidarity, a fist of rage at injustice, but then, as the poet says, opened. Open to build the world that we dream of. Holding fast to wonder and integrity, to beauty, to the sacredness of the person and to yourself is, I think, absolutely necessary and essential. I know that I have never regretted treating others with deep, sacred respect. And I have regretted when I didn't, every single time. The babysitter doesn't give up on Eleanor. She gets a little mad, but she doesn't give up on Eleanor. She keeps trying. Eleanor, and it's the child who has the authority here. What Parents, let's recognize what's going on. <laughs> Eleanor doesn't want to do anything until she finally realizes that the babysitter cares for her, will fight monsters for her, and is therefore trustworthy. If we give up on people, the change we seek will not happen. 
We need to protect our heart and body. That is absolutely true. And I'm not asking you to not do that. But when we can, to stay committed to the sacred nature of each person, it's hard, but it is better. And it's the only way. If we want to build the world we dream of, the world of justice and mercy and love, then we have to act with mercy and love and justice. The ends never justify the means. They don't. I know it feels like we have to fight as dirty as they do, but that way lies disaster. Just the replication of tactics of domination. Holding fast to the sacred nature of each person is closely related to holding fast to a vision worthy of our effort. Authority wears you down, distracts you, it funnels you into uselessness and nonsense, it shortens the horizon of our vision. Instead of building robust networks of mutual support, instead of creating love and mercy and raising children of hope and building institutions that count for people, we're just getting ready for another election cycle. Just wrapped up in another news day, we lose the thread. We lose the vision. Instead of building something worthy, we're fighting to win and for them to lose. And authority wins that fight every time. So you need a vision, picture of something different. There is more love somewhere. There is more joy somewhere, more hope somewhere. It's important to note that this means literally Canada, or at least north of the Ohio River. I mean, that's what it means. This is a spiritual song of the enslaved Africans wanting to be free, and when we say there is more hope somewhere, we mean that way, north. North, wanting to be free. Slave rebellions were real and important. They happened more often than the history books record. But the vision of freedom, of what the world would look like, absent this institution, is what people held fast to. And after the Civil War, that land began to be built in the South. Voting rights, power over your own labor and property. There was more love beginning to happen. And in 1876, the Republicans, they were the anti-slavery party, at the time. They cared more about winning a disputed presidential election than they did about the black voters in the South, and so they traded. Democrats gave them 20 electoral votes. They withdrew federal troops from the South and ended Reconstruction, and let Rutherford B. Hayes become president. 1876, the Republicans cared more about the short-term win in 1876 than the sacred work of Reconstruction and protecting black voters from white terrorism. You know what? I'm a student of history. I know a lot about American history. I can't tell you a single thing about Rutherford B. Hayes, <laughs> except that he allowed Reconstruction to end. History doesn't care about the news cycle. It cares, and we should care, about the larger vision, the world made fair. Authority wants us to forget what we're fighting for, what's worth fighting for. Wants us to fight against it on its terms, rather than fight for something. There's more love somewhere. 
It's Canada and it's the North, but it's also a vision of another life, a paradise of justice. It's our theological position that this paradise isn't an afterlife per se. I mean, sure, it could be, but what's important, what's our task is to make that paradise real in this world, in this time and place. And yet, holding a sense of the sacred mystery, the holy at work in our work, is, I think, the final essential piece of building the world instead of just fighting authority over and over again. A sense of magic, honestly. One of the things that authority does is tell you that there's no magic in the world. Nothing mysterious, nothing unexpected. Don't work for a better world because nothing will ever surprise you. So having a spiritual life, having a sense that spirit, that love with a capital L, that surprise is real, gives us hope and courage and a fountain to drink from when we are parched from the struggle. Reach out your hand if your cup be empty. Let it be known that there is a fountain that was not made by the hands of men. Right? We're going to spend part of February exploring that fountain, the water that refills us when we feel empty, that overflows with love. So what I want to say today is do not forget that there is a fountain of possibility and justice and drink your fill. It's just after 10 a.m. We're still in the jury room. The computer is down, so they can't randomly draw 40 of us from the 120 in the room to send us to the judge to be questioned. But I figured out what to say. If they ask me, can you execute the law? I will say, I don't know. I will seek to act and speak with love for all people, regardless of who they are, or what they have done or been accused of doing. And that will have to do. If that contradicts the law, so be it. I'll be the vote no. But I won't fight just to fight. If love demands a different path, I'll take it. I won't be obnoxious on purpose. I've tried that tactic. It just <laughs> it doesn't feel good at the end of the day. I will hold fast to love and justice. That's the best I can do. It's the best I can do. We still haven't found what we're looking for. And there is more love somewhere. So just as long as we have breath, we are called to say yes to life and truth and love. Not to shout against the power, giving it our energy over and over again, but to Use that breath, that water, that soul to build something else. Something worthy of our love and our devotion and our spirit. You fight authority and authority wins. You build something worthy of love, love wins. You let the fountain fill you with the hope of a better world. With the longing not to win the next battle, but to create the paradise that we seek for all people everywhere, then you have a chance. Just as long as we have breath, let us spend it not shouting, no, no, over again, but instead saying, 
yes. Yes to a world worthy of our highest dreams and our sacred hearts. I invite you to rise in body or spirit. We'll sing together. I'll extinguish our chalice, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These things we carry with us until we are together again. While I do that, I invite you to either join hands with one another, or if you'd rather not be touched, place your hands on your shoulder. Hundred and twenty people in the commission room, forty get called into the room to be questioned, sixteen get on the grand jury, and I should buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> I will not be in the office uh, every other Wednesday for the next six months, because uh, I'll be downtown. So but I'm not the four person, so I escaped that fate. That's all right. I'll do my best. That's all any of us can do. Words for our benediction from Philippians 4, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We'll sing our, our closing blessing, and then I'll ask you, if you're a member, to take a seat for our special congregational meeting, which should only take a minute. Or two. Let's sing together.
please be seated. 